<laughs> so anyway, so uh, hopefully everybody has an outline, and I'd like to talk a little bit about the power of together. I can't think of any more important uh, discussion today in light of all that's happened to us, but it turns out that for believers, which is one reason why uh, we have been such sticklers about being uh, with one another, it's not only that we have this uh, vertical relationship with the Lord that's supernatural, but actually part of the supernatural effect that happens to us as believers happens horizontally one to the other. So if you take out together, you take out a part of the Lord. You know, it's very, very powerful. Now, God can bridge that and, and has, but we're better together, right? And there's a, a power there. And um, so I'll just give you a couple of things that I've been learning that are kind of important as a prelude to this. I, so some of you know that I have more than a casual interest in uh, mental illness and, um, and our family issues there and also uh, with regard to addictions as well. But one thing I've found, interestingly enough, is uh, if there is a cure to mental illness, one of the things that is commonly misunderstood is the power of meaningful human contact. And so what people that are highly addicted and also mentally ill have a way of doing is burning all their bridges. They, in order, they have a hard time connecting with people. And there is so much pain that in the process of that pain, they generally burn a lot of relationships, which is exactly the opposite direction because the key to their healing, again, is human relationship. It's one of the things. You... Sometimes in a church like ours, we, we, we love spiritual things. We're super spiritual in a way. But the funny thing is that uh, actually relationships are super spiritual. Kindness offered to another person is super spiritual. It builds up. It encourages. When you get cut off from kindness by virtue of a disease or a sickness or some problem or you cut yourself off from that contact because of the behavior, You're, you just cannot relate to people very well. You know, you, you're dysfunctional in every way, and people don't uh, do very well. <clears throat> Sometimes the church doesn't do very well with those kind of people, yet it's the funny thing is, as they cut themselves off, it's precisely the thing they need the most. They actually need more personal contact. Even a nice greeting or, you know, just anything where they feel uh, like they're human, feel like they're, they're, they're alive, you know what I mean? And so... As we talk about the power of together, I'm, I'm just very, very aware of how powerful. Matter of fact, if you want to know one of the keys to mental illness, it's going to have to revolve around uh, partially figuring out the, uh, the housing situation, which we're working on very hard here uh, with regard to people. We've, we've launched into uh, homelessness a big time. We, we have found new and unique ways to use the warehouse to actually fund and help us with regard to moving a person uh, uh, who is homeless into a more stable situation and then into a more healed situation and then beyond. And we're finding out it's absolutely possible. It's just that one of the things is uh, that one of the things we've learned is that the, the, the power of our human contact, so the way our culture deals with problems is we, we give you your space, assign you to that space, pay for your space, and hope you'll get better. But mentally addicted, uh, mentally, mentally ill people and, and, and those who have, Addictions will never get well that way. They need personal contact more. They need relationship more, but they act such obnoxious behavior. Nobody wants to be around them, but the very thing that they need, they can't get, right? So somebody has to step in and bridge the gap and say, I love you, and I'll help you and greet you, and just even minor things heal these people. That's the thing I'm learning, you know? And we always want to do so much, you know? I'm going to put you in this facility, and I'm going to do this and that for you, and then you're going to be in this vocational training program where you're going to rehab you, and boom, there you are. 
And actually, what we need to do is go back a little bit further and say, you know, I really like you. How are you doing today? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? How are you feeling today? Hey, uh, you want to go with me to a ball game? Or, you know, hey, I'm going out to eat with some friends. You want to come? See, that right there is uh, the most healing, powerful thing you can do. And then the other things, if you want to add that too, it's great. But what we do is we keep overshooting our headlines. I watch our culture doing that with regard to the homeless. Just get them a space, you know. Well, actually, there's some there truth to that. But if you just put them in their space and there's no relational, uh, meaningful connection, they die. They go crazy. They do weird stuff. And then we can't think, why, after all I've done for you, all the money I've spent for you, why do you keep doing weird stuff? <laughs> well, they're broken. All of us are broken one way or another. All of us need other human beings. All of us need the power of together. The Bible gives us dramatic revelation of how people working together can cause unusual things to happen. I'll read from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls has no one to help them up. And so the most discouraged and difficult people in our culture are in this place. There's no one to help them up because they burn all their bridges, right? Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Wise, wise, dramatic uh, uh, advice for all of us. That's why church is so important. Church is one of those things that mixes relationship uh, together with the power of God and causes healing, causes... So it's funny. He didn't just, you know, put this over here or that over there. He put them together. He put us together in human relationships and the supernatural power of God. And when you mix the two, you get healing. You get uh, health. You get well-being. That's why churches are so important. We mix the supernatural with the practical love that we have for one another, and it causes healing. It causes uh, people to do better, right? So these three things really can draw these voice, uh, verses. First, provision. You get a good return for your labor. So when you're cooperating, doing things together, there's a, it's good business, right? Two are better than one. You get a good return for your labor. Many, many businesses discover. You do this, I'll do that, you do this, as they're starting out especially. Maybe some of you have started your own business, right? And it's funny because even as we, we did the warehouse and we started that, it's so funny as it grew, it just all this differentiation of labor became incredibly important. You do this and I'll do this and then this, that, and all in the success of our warehouse or any business is actually a function of how people work together doing what needs to be done in a way that has harmony in it. So how many ever worked in dysfunctional situations, you know, at a job? <laughs> Whoa, that's painful. But that place doesn't make any money either. One thing I love is In-N-Out Burger. I love the food. I, don't, I can't go there very often to eat it anymore. But that is a machine of working together. I mean, those guys got their acts together, man. That's why you don't even mind getting like 20 cars back. Otherwise, usually when I get 20 cars back, I'll never enter the door, any tree, any place, any store. But I don't mind there because I know they got their act together. Pretty soon I'll be up there. Pretty soon I'll have my food. And they'll do it with a smile. Da, 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 da. But just don't ever get in the way of their thing that they're doing, you know, like the uh, this efficiency of it. Tell you, you want to frustrate an In-N-Out Burger uh, person horribly if they're out there uh, like on the street taking their order? Just purposely delay a little bit, forget your order, change it. 
because they're about boom, 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 boom. And they work together in this amazing harmony together, and they always seem to be happy inside there. I wonder what they're feeding those people. Usually workers in that place, they're not very happy, but if you look at in and out you look in the window, they're always happy, jumping around, smiling and everything. Have you ever noticed that? That's the power of together. You get a good return for your labor. As far as I can tell, they made a lot of money <laughs> this last season, and they do. That's why businesses that have the right atmosphere, you just like to go in them. Sometimes I just go in businesses because everybody's happy. Everybody's working together. Everything works. Everybody has an answer for what I need, right? Aren't you that way? Anyway, I think we understand that. Two are better than one. When you get two working, three working, ten working together, in a way it works a tremendous return on your labor. Third, second thing I have on the outline here is protection. Covering each other when we're at risk. We mentioned that. Protection is such a big deal. Ah. <sighs> I can't imagine, I can't, can't tell you all these years of how I've seen marriages and families that go to church and are connected with other believers and do it, how protected, how sheltered, how people all have an answer for you. I've seen so much provision. You know, if I didn't even know the Lord at all, you know, I would still go to a church after all these years. If somehow I forgot, because if I could just remember this one thing about called provision, you need a car, somebody has a car, you know, you need this, something shows up, all of a sudden, whatever you need is in here somewhere or another. This is a walking provider <laughs> of everything you could imagine, because we all have our distinctives, we all have our things, right, that we offer, and if we're willing to offer, it just makes everything richer and more enriched, whether it's a couch that you need over here, or, a, or you know, especially some special information about something over here, or healing over there. Oh my gosh, the body of Christ, the pie. We, we are a walking provider. <laughs> you know, if anybody knew how deep it is, because I watch it every day, you, you would never miss a day <laughs> of being together, because it's amazing. You don't have your act together. Nobody has it. Nobody knows. And then you're always going through different stages of life, you know. Okay, now what do I do at this stage, you know? My kid's in junior high. What do I do now? That's a big one, <laughs> all right? Or <laughs> and there's lots of really critical ones, right? I want to get married. Uh, or, look, I, I need to have a funeral. How do I do that? Where, where do I go? Oh, that's one thing that I think we did really well this last time. I didn't care about anything. A person, we, we did several funerals and memorial services. For me, the honoring of that family, I don't care what, we did it anyway here. And we had a bunch of them. It wasn't even due to COVID. It was other things, you know. But what happens? How horrible. A person dies, and there's no one to remember them. There's no one to honor them. I, I couldn't take it. I, I said, that's, that's, the mo that's horrible. That's hideous. We're not going to do that. So we didn't, and we don't. We still continue no matter what. To have memorial services. It's so important. Well, they're remembering the dead. No, we're remembering the dead, but we're also honoring their life. We're also remembering the loved ones who need to have that space together, right? The power of together. They need that. And then just raw power, accomplishing the impossible. We see this story of Genesis 11, how God has to give different languages to all the peoples of the earth because they begin to do some things and scheme and stuff. And God comes down and says, you know, I, we're going to have to mess this language thing up a little bit and get them moving away from each other because if they just continue this way, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Wow. If that's not a statement on the power of together, I don't know what is. If they work together in harmony, nothing they plan to do will be impossible. I and mean, of course, they're working together in harmony, all right, but toward away from God. <laughs> so we had to separate them across the face of the earth. Isn't that amazing? But the principle is still there. 
Now let's look at Acts uh, chapter uh, 20. So, uh, verse 28. I'm going to just put that up there on the screen if we can. Um, just important verse. Are we getting that up on the screen? I can't tell if we're... Oh, it's a back... Oh, there we go. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. This is a critical thing. He bought us with his own blood. That means we are special and unique. Anybody who would shed blood for another person, it's special, it's unique. So, And we're all in that space together, Christians, right? So because God bought the church with his own blood, uh, he uses us then <clears throat> to be his emissaries to actually get more people who don't know him, right? That's one of the things. But it also makes us a special people in the context of all the peoples of the earth. So as a people, as a group, we have a unique identity because we've been all bought by the blood of Jesus. So that makes us distinct and unique. That's so funny. I'm, I'm watching, you know, the news and all the ways. And the, who the church is, is right now is sort of up for, like, evaluation, right? And the new Supreme Court ruling just uh, recently of, okay, you guys can meet in homes. <laughs> well, we knew that all along. <laughs> so we didn't stop. <laughs> We were so smart, aren't we? We knew they were going to do that all. We knew that was where the, uh, the country would end up. It just took them a year or so, right? <laughs> but, okay, meeting in homes is one thing. But the thing is, who we are meeting in those homes and what we offer to each other in the world is a whole other thing. So if we look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, this, this group of people together that Jesus bought with his own blood, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Talk about culturally irrelevant. <laughs> Desalt the church and then see what you'll get in this culture. Right? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot and the world with it, actually. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are the light of the world. So world, I highly recommend you don't try to extinguish us. Things are going to get dark in a hurry. And not going to taste very good either. <laughs> right? So we are a holy nation in the midst of the nations, 1 Peter 2.9. And he says it in a dramatic way. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, how many different ways can he say it? God's, by the way, the chosen, if you haven't seen that, might recommend you watch that on YouTube. <laughs> That's really good. Hey, by the way, episode one of season two just came out if you haven't seen that. Anyway, chosen environment, advertised. I like that. I like that show so much. I don't know why either. But it's really cool. Anyway, but he says, you're chosen people, <laughs> a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we're supposed to declare the one that called us out of darkness and declare that and be the light uh, of the earth, another expression, right? But I like that. We're a holy nation in the midst of all the nations. We're a holy nation in the midst of all the nations. We're one in spirit but diverse in language and culture. So we see back in Acts chapter 2, 
when the Spirit starts the church, when, when the, the inauguration of the church comes. And by the way, I, I have my Life in the Spirit class um, that I'm doing. I do it in here in the auditorium. We do worship at 6, as he mentioned, and 6.30. Uh, our classes start. There's four or five of them. But I do my Life in the Spirit class for the benefit of anyone who's newer to the church just to get to know me and my wife. We do that for that reason. The other reason is because we want to sort of help you understand what makes us tick, how we see the world. And, and one of these things, the way we see the world is just from the books of, book of Acts. And we always go back and say, like, wow, issues of speaking in tongues and whatever. Well, that was the way it was in, in the beginning. Why wouldn't it be now? So, oh, the gifts died out, blah, 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 which actually makes no sense whatsoever. So we talk about all of that. But basically... I have to do this class because i got to help you understand why we're so weird. <laughs> so the Bible is a weird book. So you have to do something with the Bible. I mean, that's the first thing we talk about. Like, like Jonah got swallowed by a whale. Wow. A talking donkey like to a prophet. Yeah. People raised from the dead. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Bible says doesn't do that with like wink, wink, you know, this, this is kind of a little story to a fable. No, it's out there. They believe it is real, real prophets, real supernatural power, real everything. But in a nation that basically is secular humanistic in its worldview, it's sometimes hard to cope with that in our worldview. Most of the rest of the world has a spiritual worldview and they cope with these things a little bit easier. I mean, sometimes we in our mission stuff take advantage of this. It's awesome. We built this great building in India on this really cheap piece of land because it turns out that Indians don't like the land in a certain configuration and a shape. So we Christians said, well, we'll buy it. <laughs> really cheap. It's amazing. <laughs> and I think uh, more than one Asian population doesn't like it when they, you have a, cr a street coming like this and this. They don't want to build their house right there. It's bad luck, evidently. Really cheap, like that. We get all kinds of property that way. We look for, that's where we look for land. We're going to buy some, <laughs> right, right in that place, right? So, <laughs> I don't know why I got off on that. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, but if we go back to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And these people that were there from all the nations were there watching this because it was a feast time. They're hearing them speak in their own language fluently and they're freaking out. And so Peter, Peter uh, preaches. And the funny thing is, which I, I always tell in my class, so these are the kind of things I talk to you about, you know. Uh, the very first words from the very first Christian sermon is, these men are not drunk as you would suppose. <laughs> Give me a minute. All through the centuries, Messiah's come, he's been killed, he's resurrected from the dead, the church is about to begin. Well, first of all, I'd like to tell you guys about what's going on here. These guys aren't really drunk. They may look like it, but they are not. So what a weird way to start the church. That's why I have to have a class. Because <laughs> the Bible is so weird, you either have to go right over it and not believe a word of it, or go, wow, I wonder what that means. So we're, another way to say our life in the spirit class is, it's a wonder what that means class. <laughs> And is that real? Does that still happen today? Which I'm happy to say that it all happens again and again today. Today, it's amazing, right? So we're one in spirit, but we're diverse in language and culture, which this thing of speaking in tongues helps us. You know, all these people are from other cultures, but that was God's bent from the beginning. I'm going to start my church, and this is going worldwide. <laughs> every tribe, tongue, and nation, every culture. And the power of unity is offered to all believers in all and every land. I'll just read these verses from 
They devoted themselves, listen to this, this is the unity now within the church. This is the very first church. It's just a great example for us because in that space of unity is great power, great evangelism. Everything spews from that space where the Holy Spirit produces that sacred space where people are together in one, in one mind and one heart. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So not only was this big supernatural thing going called Pentecost where all the people were gathered from all the nations, but as the, began, the thing began to flow out, we see that they divided into smaller groups and places where they get to know one another and fellowship. And they were meeting together daily, both in the larger setting, which was Solomon's portico, but also they were meeting together home to home, house to house. So they had both forms of fellowship and expression, right? And it's all about unity, all about uh, one uh, uh, spirit and one uh, church, right? So this power of unity is offered to believers everywhere in every place, and as the churches express themselves, they express that unity. The greatest challenge for all believers is division from within, and we see this in the very earliest part of the church, Acts chapter 6. Any organization, that's why our nation is in so much danger. We've had so much division and separation, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so it's so important. And so even this early church, this budding church, this powerful thing is obviously coming as an expression of the early church, of, of, of the power of the Spirit. When the disciples were increasing, then they start a controversy brewed, a religious controversy over the Hellenistic Jews who were evidently, uh, the widows were getting fed and taken care of, the broken were getting taken care of in one way, and they, they thought that the more... Uh, native Hebrews were being taken care of in another way. So you had all of these expressions because when the church started and exploded, the people didn't go home immediately. They were for all these nations and they were gathering together. They had deep needs for, for benevolence. And some were from the Greek-speaking Jews, those from nations outside of Israel were being discriminated against the Hebrew native Jewish, Jewish people. So they had a great division and separation. They were already struggling because of all these nationalities. They were all Jews, but they had all these nationalities they were dealing with, right? Now they're also dealing with this, this uh, discrimination of benevolence. And it was a great crisis because if they hadn't settled that well, the church would have divided, right? It would have dissipated. But they figured out a solution. They got together and they figured it out and they put it together and then there was harmony again and the church moved on. But this challenge for division is always lurking, and that's something we have to really guard against. And really the best thing to guard against that is just loving and respecting and honor one another. But also, I would say, with regard to that, and this is in your own family, I think, and it's uh, a, a baseball team, a football team, it could be any expression where people are together, they're better if they work together in harmony, you get a better result. So you need to guard that harmony because it's really, really important because it's the power of together. The greatest opportunity for all believers is found when they are of one heart and mind and pray from a place of unity. Pray from a place of unity. I'll be on that subject. If great power is released among harmonizing disobedient people, <laughs> we see that like at the Tower of Babel, what is it possible for God's holy, blood-bought nation when they cry out in prayer for the world? Think about that. God said, you know, we've got to disperse these guys. 
They're so wicked, and they're together. They're in unity. They're in one accord. Nothing's going to be impossible for them. Was he just sort of wink-winking, nothing's going to be impossible? Just sort of exact? No. Literally, as long as they are in harmony in their wickedness, nothing impossible really, meaning also there's no depth that they won't sink to. Which, by the way, is an issue in our time. So the more people congeal around the full of philosophies and the things that are going on here, there's nothing impossible for them in terms of how deep they'll go in wickedness. You can't hold wickedness at bay, especially when people start gathering and rallying around it. It doesn't stay in a corner. This is the story of where we are at as believers now. That's why we had to start a school. And there's other things we're going to have to start and do. It won't stay in a corner. It'll come after everything. It'll come after your kids from the youngest age and try to destroy and pollute them. We can't be asleep anymore. There's a stalking enemy. It's so powerful. The thing that makes it so powerful is it's not dissipated. It's beginning to congeal. So you get this broad coalition of corporate entities and so on that are working together toward goals, their own selfish, elitist goals, but it's very difficult. And we have to be very, very careful about this uh, right now in this space and time. But on the other side, what happens when the church gets together? What happens when greater unity comes even between our churches, even between countries of churches? What happens then? Very big power, amazing power. That's one thing I've been telling you about this new revival that's going on in India, and I probably mention it almost every time I stand up here and speak, because for me, I never dreamed that it would be possible to get to the place where we are right now in a, in a foreign nation. I never dreamed it would be possible in such a short amount of time uh, to move as rapidly as we're moving and uh, as evangelism is going. But part of the secret of it is we've found a way to maintain the structural unity of it so that it just grows and adds and multiplies Good leadership does that, right? But look at this, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And look what it is. Now, here's what happens. It's not only that you're agreeing in unity, but look, and this is over a household, over a family, but here's where the oil is. This is the supernaturalness. So we could, super, we could say another title of this sermon is the supernaturalness of being together. This is where God Almighty comes and does amazing things, supernatural things, things beyond us. He says, it's like the precious oil poured on the head. That oil is always symbolic of the Spirit. The supernatural oil is poured down, the running down the beard, running down, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So we're harmonizing together. There the Lord commands the blessing. One thing that I'm so grateful for with regard to our church all these 20 years has been we've never really had great disharmony. We've always been together. We've always been able to just do well together and, and get through rough spots together. It's just been wonderful, and it's kept us on track. It's kept us blessed. It's kept us super supernatural. And so um, I want to just... Uh, Losing myself together here. What am I doing here? Where am I? Somebody tell me where I am. Huh? Oh, yeah. Psalm 133. All right. There the Lord commands the blessing. Thank you very much. See, I need you. Power together. And, of course, Matthew 28, 18, which is such a uh, common scripture, but very very powerful things in it. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? 
all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I want to just move to Matthew chapter 18. I wanted to say that in preparatory to this passage. Truly I tell you, this is Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind on earth, this whole army going out, what we call, I just read the Great Commission, Matthew 18, now listen to this. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Is that just sort of like, wink, wink, maybe, oh yeah, that's a nice goal. I hope we can all do that someday. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth, listen to this, here's the word, agree. That word, symphoneo, harmonize. Harmonize, like symphony, a melody, symphoneo. Agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Wow. So this agreeing thing in prayer, this agreeing thing and asking for things is incredibly powerful. It means that we purposely gather for prayer to Jesus. See, there's asking in agreement. Ah, what a simple thing. Like, what about your family? When the husband and wife are in symphoneo and they're in agreement in their relationship and overall relationship, the power to pray for their, their, their kids and for their kids' lives is indestructible. It's amazing. We see it right here, right? We see it in Matthew 18. If you agree on earth about anything. So this agree is symphoneo. So if you ever notice, okay, I can be agreed that we have... Uh, okay, husband and wife, here we are together. I agree that we have this goal for Johnny and that goal for Johnny and this goal for Johnny. You know, they're all on one page. But they hate each other's guts. Johnny doesn't do well with that. Johnny, why don't you do what we told you to do? Well, you guys don't even like each other. What's that got to do with going to college and getting your degree and everything? Your life's a whole ahead of you. But I don't know, I can't take my eyes off. You guys hate each other. And we can't figure that out. See, when there's disharmony, our kids pick it up. They are honest because nobody's told them to be dishonest yet. <laughs> so we're trying to get them in harmony for their life and their future. Meanwhile, the household's not in harmony. And that's all they can see. And we can't figure out why they can't just separate the relationship between the husband and the wife, your mother and I, and not think about that for a while and just go on with your life. Right? They have a hard time doing that. But when that marriage is in agreement, there's love. There's, they've worked out their relationship, and then they begin to agree in prayer. Well, my kids are toast. It <laughs> doesn't matter where they are right now. My wife and I pray for them. <laughs> they're going to hit the mark. And a couple of them veered off this way and that way, but they're coming back. What? Why do I know that? If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I've got extra power. I've got some firepower coming down, right? <laughs> right? And as I can tell, my wife, she's one, I'm two. We don't even need three, two or three. It's what it says, right? Oh, man, if we just understand how spiritual things work. It means to purposely gather for prayer. It means to relationally harmonize in that prayer. And so you see, as we go into this chapter, it's very interesting. I don't know if you've noticed the verses that follow. He gives him this whole thing. Right after he talks about the harmonizing and the agreeing in prayer, he talks about this whole thing. He says, well... He says, then Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, 
Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And he's thinking, man, I'm going to be generous if I do that. He's thinking that's a good number up there, you know. <laughs> Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Oh, no, 70, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> there the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began this settlement a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him since he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt at this his servant fell on his knees before him and he, he said be patient with me beg and I'll pay back everything the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go but then the servant goes out to all the other ones that owe him money and he's strangling them right and the master calls this guy back and says, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants as I had on you? And anger is, master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until they should pay back all he owed. This is, now listen to this, this is the part. This is really, if you didn't hear anything else, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Evidently, the Lord likes power together. And when you don't forgive and you've got bitterness, this is where you get now, if you forgive like the Heavenly Father forgave you, you get all the good. Why don't we just concentrate on the good part and stop doing this stupid stuff? The power of together. Heaven is supernatural. Heaven notices your relationships, notices the power of agreement, notices the power of together. It's getting quiet in here. Anyway, it's very powerful. So think of this in the positive way. I just think it's odd. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them. Then he goes in this whole thing about the unmerciful servant, <laughs> right? Who gets out of harmony, even with the ones that he has, uh, that owe him money, right? All right. So two great mysteries. Here's the two mysteries. How often we don't pray with those who are closest to us relationally. All this power, all this grace is there. Listen, here it is. If two of you on earth agree about anything, is there. But how often the people that we're closest to relationally, which I would say is a husband and a wife, son and a daughter, you know, a father and a son, how we don't pray together. You know why you don't? Because there's more to prayer than just saying the words. When you're in sync relationally, then it's easier. But also it just takes time and attention and faith to believe that if you actually agree about something, you actually take the time to pray that something will happen because it's invisible, it seems too super spiritual, and with the secular worldview culture, prayer and things like that just fall to the ground. But actually the whole world's run around spiritual things. The spiritual controls the natural. And togetherness, working together with the spiritual, causes dramatic things. How often we don't pray with those who are closest to us relationally. Our sons, our daughters, our husbands and wives. Could I just challenge you, husbands and wives, you're the greatest prayer duo that was ever created. You can't imagine. Now, I've been at it a while, so I have a voice to speak. You can imagine what your voice can touch with you and I, you and a husband and a wife touching your kids, praying for their kids. It's almost not fair, like shooting ducks in a barrel, you know. We just take it up there with him together, you know, and sometimes get delayed. That's the great thing. Sometimes we pray and we pray even together, harmonizing, and things have to wait a little bit. They're not immediate. But the thing is, the principle is sound. The wisdom is sound, and it works. Eventually, it works, and sometimes it works in two seconds, <laughs> which is another disparity. We get together, we pray for something, and in two seconds, it's gone. Things settled. 
other things take a while. And that's where we get tested sometimes, right? How So that's the first thing. Two great mysteries. How people who are, who are connected with one another with the best relationship should have the closest relationship never pray, never agree together in prayer before the Lord. The second thing is how those who often partner together in prayer experience deep fellowship. In other words, take anybody, any person, and you just start praying with them about your needs and their needs. So, hey, I got some needs, you got some needs, let's just pray together, right? Maybe over the phone, once a month, whatever. It's amazing as God begins to move how much deep fellowship it comes. So I talk all about our business prayer uh, fellowship that we have, the Wednesday thing that we're now doing on Zoom, right? But it's amazing how much koinonia, how much fellowship, how much closeness has come when I'm agreeing for your stuff, you're agreeing for my stuff, and then you get a miracle, I get a miracle for you when you get a miracle. And we share it all together in these testimonies, and we're going, oh my gosh, this place is alive. God really does answer prayer. And we're not alone anymore because God's answered. Oh, he answered that prayer, and over there, and this guy, and over there, and that guy. Wow. There's hope for my business after all. There's hope for my life. You should have heard what happened to George the other day. We were praying about that, and I remember him praying about that on a Monday, and then we came back the next week, and it's all done. It's all finished. It's all together. Wow. So could I just say that answered prayer is really cool. We could concentrate on that, but also there's something else that seeps in. It's the mystery of koinonia, fellowship. And I've just begun this thing with... Uh, uh, in a new way in my own life, uh, partnering with a couple of people, you know, so my own relatives, just praying with them because there's some needs and I'm just agreeing. They're long distance, so I'm just uh, redoing that. I'm finding just this wonderful connection, reconnection relationally as we're agreeing about and moving the needle, you know, for each other's lives. We see all these prayer partnerships in the Bible. That's what I call them. I just encourage you, get a prayer partnership with someone. One thing you're going to find out is you pray, you might not even know them very well. I pray for this, you pray for them. Now, you know, I don't even, you know, what I'm going to be beginning to do is when people say, would you please pray for me? I say, yeah, I'll pray for you, but I want you to pray for this for me. So we get a two thing going, right? Okay, you pray for this for me and I'll pray for you, okay? So it's not just, great pastor praying for you. <laughs> Here I am, children. Ask me anything. Crush me as much as you want. 75,000 prayers that I don't know when I'll ever get to. But it's different when I say, well, okay, why don't you pray for me about this one? Because I got some glaring needs. It might surprise you, absolutely shock you that I, don't, that I have needs. But I, so I got some things, you know. One of them I... My needs is getting really done. All you guys have been praying for me, and I'm, I'm doing really good with my knee. I was chasing a truck a few months ago, whacked my knee. Now I'm good. But some of that's come from just praying back and forth. Sometimes I'm convinced God leaves stuff in your life just so somebody else has to pray with you about it. So he can teach you for bigger game. There's small game, then there's the big things. So to be ready for the big things, I highly recommend agreeing prayer together. Prayer partners, prayer partnerships. Man, I tell me, I'm beginning to feel like this is where the world goes around. You know, the thing is about the praying thing is you're sharing your most intimate things or things that are of concern to you so that if something happens, you've got an automatic koinonia with them, right? The prayer isn't just like we put aside over here when we gather together because we think, well, you know, gosh, we're the church. We probably should do something spiritual here. Ah, no, it's part of the koinonia. It's part of the relational thing. All right? It's very, very uh, wonderful. So we see this, and I won't uh, go into detail of this, but 
Paul, for example, carries the Philippians in his heart. And so he, he, you look at the language in Philippians chapter 1, which I won't read here, verses 3 to 11, but, but he, he's talking about him. He's carrying them in his heart, and they're carrying him. He had all these parts. If you read through the letters, you know, I'm praying with you. I'm, I'm, I'm contending with you. Please pray for me. And they go back and forth. And you see it in Paul and Colossians. These references are there. And I like this one in Colossians where he's talking about his friend Epaphras. And he says he's always wrestling in prayer for you. What does that mean to wrestle in prayer for one another? You know, it just feels like for many of us, it feels like well, that's just a super spiritual person that really has some kind of prayer gift. Oh my, if you leave it there, you just missed out on half your spiritual life. Your husband can wrestle in prayer with you, the wife, for the family. You can wrestle with somebody else. You, somehow I get burdens for people, supernatural burdens. I don't even know them very well, but God just puts it on me. So I start wrestling for them, right? And here's something you should all be wrestling for. We had a, an accident happen with our children's pastor. Her little girl uh, got burned and her back. So we're wrestling in prayer for them. I pray that all of you would take that burden because it's quite a traumatic thing. And uh, so pray for our the children. Her name is Michaela. So pray for Michaela. Put her on your list that, that she would heal properly. Everything would be all right. It's a traumatic event. To, she lives in Laguna Beach and she got burned in her back and it's this horrible uh, situation, but God's dealing with it, you know? And so you partner with her, okay, and, and, and pray for her when you remember remember to do that, all right? That's something for our whole church. She's such a special little girl and such a special family. And uh, so I'm going to read from James chapter 5, uh, verse 16. Why don't you just put that up there? I want to, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So again, this partnering together he's talking about. Partnering together, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, as I go down the page, there's a passage in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God is looking for people who will pray His purposes and desires on the earth. He's literally looking for people who will partner with Him. He, he's not like your average God. <laughs> the way people conceive of Him. He does things in strange ways. And one of the strangest things that He does is he uses us intimately to, to release his greatest purposes in the earth. It's such a privilege, it's such an honor, and it's such a mystery, right? So even here in Ezekiel, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. What's he after there? That's really important. I'm going to read it again. Put it back up, up there again. I'm going to read it again. So here is God Almighty. He's looking for someone. Now you just think, you're God Almighty, just do it yourself. <laughs> what do you need me for? We're not very dependable anyway. Ah, there's the mystery. I don't know why either, <laughs> frankly. But he's looking. This is the way he does. So if you want to understand God, you've got to know the way he, way he works, right? And one of the things he really likes is unity and prayer together. And then he likes the unity with him and you together so he's looking for someone. He's looking for an individual. God just solved the problem, you know. No, I'm going to have to do this with somebody. I'm looking for someone that will catch my heart about the situation and will contend with me about this matter. And through them, they'll stand in the gap for the people and I'll help the people. Wow, that in itself is such a mystery 
But this is how God works. And so we look at Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13, and it's down toward the bottom of your page. And we see these unusual parables, you know, uh, as, and this one is on prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. So he gives the Lord's Prayer, and then he says, so a lot of times we just stop at the Lord's Prayer. Okay, got the like basic idea, hallowed be your name, kingdom come. Put these all in your prayer repertoire. You can pray for your bread. You can pray for forgiveness, so on and so forth. But then it gets into the nitty-gritty of how this sort of works out. Suppose one of you has a friend, and, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside says, Hey, don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, but because of your shameless audacity... Wow, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So then he goes, so here's the lesson. Sometimes when you pray, it doesn't happen right away. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. And the Greek tense is keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking. That's the, the sense of the tense. Not keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Shameless audacity. Because of his shameless audacity. He won't give you anything because of your need, but because of your shame, just by virtue of your shameless audacity. Don't bother me. The door is already locked. No, I need the stuff. No, keep knocking, knocking. Okay, he's saying that's the way I am. I want you to keep on knocking. Keep pursuing me. Hunt me down. He's giving you this open offer to opportunity. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. So we know about that part. What we don't know is the shameless audacity part that it takes, right? That is in the mix. And in the mix, what happens with this whole thing is you change because you connect with God in more than a casual way. You change through your prayers. You see Him answer things. You change through your fellowship with God, through this intimacy. If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So the thing is that the, the confusing part is that He might not answer the first time. You may need to knock on the door just a bit. But you'll find in the process of doing that, just like you'll find when you pray with prayer partners, you develop this relationship. When you begin to pray with a person, just take person A. They're going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for them. It's just a stranger. Over time, when you pray for each other, a fellowship begins. When you do that with God, it's the same thing. You begin to know Him. That's why He does it. He actually is very relational. That's why the Bible says, Our Father, who art in heaven, a big hint. He not only wants you to ask for things, but He wants you to love Him and love you back. He wants a relationship. You just wanted an answer. He wants the answer and the relationship. You see what I'm saying? And that unity is unmistakable. And when the whole church begins to do do it, wow. That's why in Genesis, they could pray and they could do that their own thing like that and negatively in one accord and cause great disaster. But how about the disaster, and we could say that, the grace is poured out on the world when the church prays together as one. Shameless audacity, having the shameless audacity to knock on the door together. In the process, you develop a oneness with your Father in heaven, but you also develop this relationship with each other and relationship makes the world Move the power of together, right? James explained that we don't have because we don't ask. It's James chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. We just give up somewhere along the way. We don't know that there's a little audacity involved there, but only the audacity, the shameless, the continual thing does something on the inside of us relationally with the Lord. 
It does it. You discover things about God along the way. He teaches you. If you read the Bible, you see it all over the place. He makes these partnerships with these prophets, and one of my favorites is Elijah. What he goes through, this Elijah, and all the while, the Lord's teaching him, you know? He's up at the pinnacle, and then he's flat on his back, finding him in a cave all over the place. He's mad. He's happy. (laughs) He's going through the whole thing. I love Elijah so much. Matter of fact, we are an Elijah generation. So this great prophet sitting on the promises of God, the very pinnacle, so they needed rain so bad, but Elijah says, you know what? There ain't going to be no rain till I say so. <laughs> Why? Because God told him. He was one with God, but he said, until I say so, there ain't going to be rain. So guess what? That was a really bad thing to say. He says, until God says so. If he'd have said that, he wouldn't have had so much trouble. Until I say so. Now the king's hunting him down, taking him at his word. He's going to kill him. I'll get rid of him. I'm going to get rid of the grout, Right? I don't know why Elijah didn't put that together, but till I say so. Maybe he got a little full of himself. I'm not sure, but he says till I say so, right? And so we see then at the very bottom of the page here, James chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look at the next verse. Elijah was a human being even as we are. Uh... This is the guy that called fire down from heaven. I'm just like Elijah. Are you sure about that? Yeah. And this, the guy that raised like people from the dead, that guy? Yeah. 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 Wow. It's, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. So it's interesting. God says it's not going to rain for three and a half years. But Elijah is also praying that it will not rain for three and a half years because <laughs> God says so. They're together in this. You would think the edicts come, done. No. God does things through people. The edict comes, then you pray it. You, you, you're a part of the whole thing. That's the ruling and reign of God's church. That's the, the bride. You really are a bride. You are connected. You're not just bumping along like three wagons back, you know. <laughs> He's not just dragging you by the hair all the time. You are the bride of Christ. You are, you're taking a, a residence with God. You are a, a kings and princes. In God, you are royalty. You are a holy nation, but a holy relational nation, right? Elijah was a human being even as we are. Yeah, me and Elijah. He prayed earnestly, it would not rain, and did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Wow. What an amazing thing. And he said, I'm, I'm just like that. I'm just like that. Wow. That puts things in a whole different place, doesn't it? And I want to just show you how far this goes. And we'll finish here. I want to go over to 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 45. And I want to read these verses real quick. So as we read these verses, we find Elijah is at the end of his journey. He's at the end of this uh, three-and-a-half-year period. So now it's supposed to rain, right? So three-and-a-half years are over, and it's supposed to rain. Now I want you to show you something. Look at 1 Kings 18, verses 41 to 45. All right. So then Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. It's three-and-a-half years of absolute drought. But Elijah climbed to the Mount of Tar- Carmel, Carmel, bent down to the ground, 
and put his face between his knees. Now, what was he doing? He's praying. Now, wait, wait a minute. It's three and a half years. He told the guy, uh, uh, Ahab, hey, it's over. Then what's the deal? Why should I be praying? If it's already a done deal, why? And the answer to that is, I don't know. (laughs) I don't understand it either. I just know the way it works. And Elijah understood this is the way it works. Done deal. Forget it. It's done. No problem. No, 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 no. Done deal, yes. Prayed to conclusion, yes. You and I agreeing together till the deal is done, yes. Okay? It's a relational issue, and it's another issue which I have no idea. <laughs> I don't understand why he does this. But look at this. Three and a half years, hey, and we'd be sitting there with a, we'd be sitting there with, like it's us, we have a stop, or a, or, or would even have it down to the second. Okay, it's been, since he said that, here, here we go. Okay. What's going on? No rain. I don't see no rain. I knew it wasn't true. I knew it, right? Now here's what Elijah does. Okay. Put his face between his He says, go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. <laughs> it's supposed to be raining. There's nothing there. It's dry just like all the rest of three and a half years. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Seven times. Persistence. He's, he's praying. He's persistent. He's, keep going. Keep going. This is it. This is why. It's shameless audacity. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. The seventh, even right down to the end. Keep knocking. When it's all on the line. When this should happen. Today's the day. Everybody knows. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hot hand is rising from the sea. Now if that's us, we go... This ain't no rain. That's a stinking cloud. That's the silliest, stupidest cloud I've ever seen. Come on, it's supposed to be full of rain. We don't mean a little cloud like that. I couldn't drop any rain on anything. No. Next what he says. He says, so Elijah said, aha, I got it. Okay, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Can you imagine this crazy guy running out there all the way through? And the, and the obvious supernatural power of the Lord. What was Ahab thinking about that? The rain's crushing down. Wow. And so, James has the audacity to say, you know that, the audacity to say, you know that Elijah? He's a man just like you and me. He prayed and it rained. You can do the same thing. Yeah, me and Elijah. It's in the shameless audacity. All of us can do that. The question is whether we have faith to do it with God or not. Amen? Let's all stand. Yes, Lord. Thank you. So, John... We're a little rusty, but would you mind, can you play a little bit for us? Because there might be some people, uh, we haven't got to our ministry time situation that we normally do as we follow up on things like this. But So some of you need to go right away, and I highly recommend you go right away, especially if you've got kids or whatever. Uh, but some of you may just want to pause for a moment, and I'll be darned, you might just want to pray about something while you're here. <laughs> It could be. I mean, maybe. Jesus said this is a house of prayer. 
We gather together. And so instead of running off too quick, unless you need to go, that's fine. You can do this with your husband, wife, friend, neighbor at home. But while we're in this place, why don't you put at the very top of your list in this time what you're looking for, what you're hoping will happen in your family, your household, your job, okay? And while we do a little bit of worship, why don't you just pray over it? So I'm going to pray a general prayer over all these things. And then if you want to stay, just stay here and worship for a while and do some business with God. And if you need to go, uh, feel free. Most of you probably need to go. And uh, some of you need to pick up the kids and all that stuff. But, but Lord, so you can just, just for you that got to go, I'm not going to be a little more shamelessly audacious at this point in time with the Lord in this room. Uh, I'm just going to pray this for you, with you right now. And then, if you'd like to just stay a moment, take that extra minute, maybe five seconds, ten seconds, ten minutes, five minutes, whatever you want to do, pray with your wife or your loved one or a friend or pray by yourself. Just lift whatever it is that you need up to the Lord again, okay? So I'm going to do that for you that need to leave. I'm just going to do that with you. Lord, I know hot on the burner in everybody's life today, there's at least one or two things, maybe more than one or two things. Things that just don't seem to move, things that haven't shaped up, things we don't have wisdom for, things we're expecting, looking for. So together I just pray for all these, whether it's a healing, whether it's a loved one coming to Jesus, whether it's financial, a job, whatever it is. So Lord, we seek your face together. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough, Lord. This day, breakthrough. May we see the evidence of the rain. May, it, may the clouds come. Even if it's only the cloud the size of a man's hand, may we see it. Keep praying until it comes. Do not give up, Lord. We are a chosen people. We are together here in this place. I pray, God, into this place that you would actually bring amazing prayer partners between husbands and wives, between friends, between neighbors. I pray you would bring us prayer partners or we'd find them and they'd find us. Points of agreement all over this place that cause the heavens to shake over our life. I just summon those prayer partners wherever they are. May you find them. May they find you. Prayers of agreement offered up. Lord, hear every prayer that's offered in this place in honor of this message. God, you're looking for someone to stand before you about an issue or a thing in your office, a thing in the neighborhood, a thing in the country, in our own personal life, Lord. Remember us as we cry out. Some of our spouses are sick today and they need healing. Some of our spouses are in a difficult place with their job. We pray for them too, even if they're not here with us. We pray for cousins and relatives and friends. Whatever is most on our heart, I pray as we offer up prayers in this place called your house of prayer, I pray you would hear from heaven and send back a lovely answer. Now make us tenacious and not give up until it comes. Whether it's a healing we need or life we need or a loved one to come back to Christ, whatever it is, Make us tenacious, shamelessly audacious till you bring the answer. In Jesus' name. Now, if you need to go, feel free. If you want to stay in worship with us, stay with us. And uh, do business with the Lord in his house of prayer. Amen.